I'd like to start by checking in and seeing um, how that meditation was for you. And um, actually, maybe by just starting with a couple of questions. So those of you who did actually follow along with it, um, did you notice that you had an element that was your favorite, that you preferred other, over other elements? Did anyone experience that? Did anyone experience it difficult um, staying in the body that long? That the mind just kind of wanted to take you out? Mm -hmm. Anybody experience an element that you wish we would just get through already? (laughs) You weren't into it at all? Thank you. Yeah. Okay. It's not necessarily a comfortable practice for, for everyone. Um, although some of you, you may have been right at home with a practice like this. Um, so that can be very true too. I, I um, really enjoy this practice and find that I'm very at home with this practice. But uh, it's not always the case, so just to normalize the experience a little bit. Uh, and then I'd like to hear, maybe we can have someone run the mic, uh, what came out of that for you? What did you notice? what was difficult, what was easy, just what comes to mind that you feel like uh, sharing with the group. And we'll just take a few of you. Okay, great, right here. Thank you. And we do have the mic. We'll ask everyone to speak in it so that um, everyone can hear and also people who are listening to the recordings can hear. I was very... um happy that you brought this practice to our attention this evening and focused on it because it's a favorite for me as well. Um, Because it's a wonderful reminder of the fact that everything we are composed of is interchangeable with the composition of everything else on earth, really. And in I imagine that at the time of Gautama Buddha, the world was thought to be made up of those four elements. The practice works just as well in our world of 117 elements, mm-hmm. in that the carbon in our bodies, the hydrogen, the oxygen, the nitrogen, the iron, the zinc the magnesium, et cetera, et cetera, is identical with all of those elements everywhere else Mm -hmm. in the universe. And so, among other things, it's a reminder of our um, non-distinction, in a sense, of that we are not distinguished by having a... It's a reminder of anatta. It's a reminder of... Non-self. Yes. Peculiar terminology, but... No, it's right on. It's a lot of what I'm going to speak to. Um, I'm wondering, everything you said is so true. Were you able to actually experience that in the meditation? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Because we can talk about it, right? I can give a whole talk on this. But that we can, in fact, experience it for ourselves within 45 minutes. Uh, That's really quite amazing. And this is one of a few practices that I feel like um, really open us up to that experience. So So it it, it relieves one of any felt need to distinguish oneself. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right behind. I really like the fire element. Uh Uh-huh. and sometimes sometimes I'll use the fire element to, like if I get angry, instead of directing the anger towards whatever I was frustrated about, I try to just feel the fire and like let it burn up every the thoughts and like kind of let it burn up anything I'm clinging to in my body or my mind. So I was kind of doing that, like visualizing uh, fire and then wind just blowing, moving anything that gets stuck great thank you there it's um 
I was playing around with this, actually, when I was thinking about this talk, that a lot of the instruction uh, for the element practice is directed to the physical, the body. It's a body practice. But we can apply it, we can apply it to the mind, I find. Um, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about this later, but um, it doesn't have to be a separate experience, is it? It can't be. <laughs> As we're sitting here, the mind will come in, and so we can, like you're saying, uh, use it very skillfully, is what it sounds like you did, skillfully use the elements to work with what's arising in the mind. Yeah, thank you. Can I have one more thing? Sure. <laughs> so <clears throat> that reminded me that so the fire element um, can also be thought of as the heat of... Um, chemical transformation, everything that keeps us warm, the fact that we have the same internal temperature regardless of the season, regardless of the ambient temperature, and so on, is the fire within of Mm. metabolic transformation. So it all works. It does. (laughs) (laughs) I like how your mind is working with this. (laughs) It's really great. Yeah, it does. Anybody on this side of the room? Just to even it out a little bit. What did you notice? I bet somebody noticed something. (laughs) Oh, great. Brave soul. (laughs) Great, thank you. Um, um, I just wanted to say I really liked that you brought up the urine. Uh-huh. Because it sounds funny, but like it's true, um, and urine and bile and whatnot. You know, it's all yeah. part of the liquid in our bodies. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It just um, not that, but I'm, that too. But um, that one just really, like I felt that one more. I don't, I don't uh-huh. know. Um, and since we're going beyond what our actual bodies felt like, I don't. I've, um, I guess I just feel like I have a, an odd connection with water. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering if I could have this in here. Is that okay? I saw you have a cup of something. I, I forgot I put it in there. Yeah. I drink an inordinate uh-huh. amount of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know what that is, but I do. Um, and I always feel called to be in water. Like, I mean, really? Like, if it's icy, does it matter? I'll just jump in it. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, but I felt I just felt that one um, more, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. So it's, it's great. Thank you for saying all that. It's it. I imagine you're not alone. That um, some of us here identified. We really can identify with a specific element and have a preference to the element, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It's really great to notice it, and as we're developing this practice. And we are using, you know, the, one of the purposes of this practice is to start deconstructing our sense of self. And so we can start to notice where are we actually creating self with the elements, you know, that sense of identity um, and preference with the elements. And, and so there's a little bit of that that will happen. And, um, and that, too, can be part of the practice. It's a beautiful thing to notice. Yeah. Thank you. And the urine, it's the, the four-element practice, you know, we can, here we are, we're in, in Berkeley, and so we can get really, um, perhaps, uh, uh, <laughs> how do I say it, hippy-dippy <laughs> into this practice. And it, and it is a really beautiful way of experiencing the body, but within that beauty is, you know, urine and pus and bile and sinews and the parts of our body that perhaps um, we wouldn't necessarily consider uh, when, when we're looking at it in this elemental way, but it's really important to include all of it, that we're not just uh, uh, looking at our body through the elements, through kind of this l- rosy-colored um, veneer, <laughs> that we're really seeing it more, most fully, as fully as we can. And so it's really great to connect with all of these different parts um, and, and all of this, I'm, I'll say a little bit more as we move on. Maybe if there's one more, we can take one more and then I'll 
continue from here. It's great to just hear what everyone, just kind of what people are It's always seemed to me that Buddhism tries uh, to undermine or kick, kick the uh, pegs out from under the, the spiritualization of your body. Yeah. Which yeah. Christianity can sometimes come down hard on. I used to say, we used to say in Catholic school, we're Catholic schoolgirls. We don't even know we have bodies. We're not allowed <laughs> to know. Yeah. <laughs> and this like just goes, flies right in the face of that. If, mm. if the purpose is to be aware of things, you have to be on very, very familiar terms with the only medium of awareness you have, mm. which is your body. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that means all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. That's right. Yeah, we in in this tradition, we encourage you to know that you have a body. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. So this this practice of experiencing the body through the elements, I think I said this at the beginning of the guided meditation. This comes up actually quite a bit in the teachings of the Buddha and. This might be for a number of different reasons. I'm just going to speculate uh, on this. One is just the um, use of the elements at the time of the Buddha uh, in India. And even today, we see it in um, traditional Ayurvedic medicine. Um, We see it uh, in the Hindu faith um, and other faiths at the time of the Buddha. And so... experiencing the body through the elements was not this foreign idea. In fact, it's not even a foreign idea outside of India, as you well know. We can see this in uh, uh, this um, relationship with the body and with um, connection with our environment through almost all cultures in some way. So this is a very deep, ancient way of relating to experience. And so I imagine that this was one of the ways that this entered the Buddha's teachings. But he, he did bring importance to it. Uh, some of you might know that one of the um, main suttas uh, in the body of, of, of uh, teachings that gives probably the, the most direct instruction on how to practice and how to practice mindfulness is the Satipatthana Sutta. Interestingly enough, the Buddha taught a lot through story, uh, a lot by uh, meeting just what was happening in, to a particular character, a particular monk or lay person who came to him asking for advice. Um, there aren't that many suttas that really lay out a practice. Uh, and the Satipatthana Sutta does. So this is a very interesting and important sutta to the Buddhist tradition. And right in there is the four-element practice. And so it's broken up in different ways that we can deepen our awareness and concentration and one of the sections is on body. It's actually the first section of practice in the Satipatthana Sutta. And so the body has also an important place in Buddhist tradition. And there's a number of ways to practice with the body, not just the breath. The breath is one of the practices. It's usually the one that's most highlighted, right? It's the one that we are most familiar with, usually. Um, when I give uh, a brief instruction during the sit period, I mostly bring you to uh, the body through body experience or sensation and the breath. And that is often kind of the basic um, uh, instruction. But there's so much more. <laughs> there's so much more. There's different postures we can bring our attention to and actions that we can bring attention to. There are, there's the 32 parts of the body practice where we, in fact, go through all the different parts of the, of the body, the, the, the um, beautiful, so, so-called beautiful parts and the not-so-beautiful parts to see that it's all kind of the same, that we're all 
just these bits and pieces that are somehow being held together. The element practice is one of these practices and works in the same way. Um, In fact, in the sutta, each practice that's given comes with a simile. He's often taught in similes. And the simile for the element practice is that of a butcher. And so however you feel about um, eating meat and carving up meat, this is the image that he provides, that a butcher who is carving a, I can't remember if it was pig or cow, um, but carving up a carcass of an animal. He does so, he cuts it out into its pieces to sell, to be used. And as the pieces come apart, he's no longer thinking of it as this whole animal. It is these separate pieces. So it's a very vivid image, (laughs) if you're thinking about it right now, a very vivid image. And I think he uses that on purpose to kind of wake us up to what he is pointing to. And that is that we are often viewing ourselves as this very solid being, that our relationship to who we are is often um, actually uh, uh, feeling and seeing ourselves on somewhat of a superficial level. We're not so in tuned with all that's happening in this body. We even take it for granted a lot of the time, don't we? We have this very condensed idea of, of I, of self. And so what this practice does is actually carve that apart. It starts to uh, deconstruct the sense of I using the elements. And so as we sit and we practice and we just experience, for example, um, the feeling of temperature, just the body as temperature, or just as motion, uh, or um, liquid, or as a solid, we start to see the body in, these, in this very different way that we usually don't experience our body as. And so the, this particular practice in the Satipatthana Sutta and elsewhere states that we first start with ourself. We first start by looking inward to... Uh, um, experience the body in these elements. And I'm just going to review what we practiced, um, partially because it's helpful, I think, to hear things several times just for our own memory, but also because this talk is being recorded. And so those of who are listening to this um, and did not, uh, were not here for the experiential practice, this is for them as well. So that first one was the earth element representing solidity in the body. So as we're piecing, taking all of this apart, we're not saying that there's no solidity. I, I found this kind of interesting because sometimes I feel like um, when I'm getting deep into uh, the teachings of the Buddha, sometimes I get this sense that it's all just space, that we're all just space. You know, There's not meant to be this sense of any kind of solidity. Uh, when we're thinking of a self, of, of me, of mine. Um, and that's not what he's pointing to here. It's actually quite practical. No, you feel yourself on the ground. <laughs> you feel yourself in the chair. Uh, you can feel the body here. It's, there's some solidity there. That is an actual experience. Now, if you get it down into the um, biology of... of uh, our cellular makeup and how much space there actually is, then yes, you could probably, you could certainly make an argument that, yeah, we're, we're really mostly just a lot of space, not that much matter. But our experience of ourself is not that. We're not experiencing ourselves on a cellular level. We're experiencing ourselves as these lumps of human. <laughs> and so we can bring attention to that. So this is actually a really practical way of experiencing the body. Notice the earth element in the body. As I go through this, I really invite you to sink in and notice, yes, I feel the body as this solid heap of human right now. What does that feel like? 
when uh, someone brought up the, that you can use this also to look at the mind. And um, I find this to be really helpful myself in practice to see each of these elements in the mind. So even though we're not physically feeling it and it's taking it out of this body practice, which it initially really is, is being used as, there's no reason to use it, not to use it um, as a mind practice as well. And I thought it was kind of um, interesting to think about, well, okay, what would, what would earth element in the mind be? And there's all these colloquialisms uh, in our culture that point to this. Um, so to say that somebody is dense, <laughs> densely minded. So you get the sense of, of a mind that is filled with earth elements. Um, someone who perhaps is stubborn and unmoved, that heaviness in the mind. And we've all experienced this. I'm not pointing to anyone in particular here. <laughs> we all have this, these abilities to have a mind like this. So then the next one is water element. And again, this is um, the liquid experience of our body. And for me, this is one that I have to actually look for. Um, okay, so there's the, the f- sensation of saliva in my mouth. There's perhaps um, sensation of clamminess uh, in my hands or maybe sweat under my armpits or sometimes with my eyes closed I can feel uh, the liquid in my eyes. Whoops. If I'm really, um, you know, looking for it. Uh, but I have to I have to search for it a little bit, and um, and so you might connect with it in that way really well. I find that with this particular one, I find it much more enjoyable somehow to really go through and, like you were saying, actually um, use my imagination a little bit to experience the body fully as liquid. So the the the, the the fact that we are made up of so much liquid, to have that in mind and then sit with that in the body. What does that look like in the body if we were to just suddenly become the liquid and nothing else? What would that be like? And somehow I feel like I can feel the liquid in my body at that point. And I know I'm using my imagination for this a bit. But that's okay to actually connect with the liquid element in this way. Um, so that's that's how does that make sense? That's how I connect with it. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of imagination um, to to really become embodied in these different elements. And so, if that works for you, that's wonderful. If you're much more practical and needing something more tangible, then you know, go for the saliva in your mouth. That's a really interesting place to look and experience seeing if there's a sense of self in the saliva in your mouth. <laughs> I don't know. Something to check out. And so when I was thinking of the mental aspect of this, what would water element um, be in the mind, this, this phrase of fluid thought, the fluidity of thought. And so we can experience that sometimes with... Um, it's not this kind of jagged or harsh experience in the mind, but more of this fluidity. Maybe a little busy in there, but this fluidity uh, within the mind. So we might see water element there. The fire element, again, is temperature. I, I really enjoy this one, um, to feel the body just as temperature. What this does for me, in my own experience, is it allows for the structure of my body to be um, less dense, um, less obvious, if I'm just paying attention to temperature. It's almost like if you had a infrared um, uh, goggles and you were looking at everybody here through those goggles and it was just these blobs of 
dark red and then maybe some orange around that and yellow where it was cooler and then maybe blue where it was much cooler and you were just seeing everything in temperature that it's almost that experience within the body that it's just these areas, these zones, temperature zones and that's all that we are in that moment of paying attention to it in this way. Really fascinating to see ourselves this way. We don't go around noticing ourselves or others in this way. (laughs) So it's just a different way to um, train the mind not to be so stuck on uh, the body being a certain way in in our image of the body and of ourself. And to bring this to the mind is kind of fun. Um, I mentioned that the fire element also represents digestion. Um, so, um, and also uh, aging. I actually should backtrack a little bit because that's really interesting that this particular element represents aging. And as I was thinking about this, why, why would that be? Um, and I couldn't find anything specifically uh, not to my satisfaction <laughs> describing why that is, uh, but I, as I thought about it, thought, well, maybe it's because this particular element is unique in that it does, in fact, to survive, to be present, it actually has to be consuming something. It does have to break something down. So if it's a piece of wood, of firewood, you light the firewood and, and what's happening is it's, it's actually consuming that piece of wood. And so in a sense, perhaps it's this idea of the body in time, of it actually being um, not necessarily consumed, but the breaking down of the body. Same as digestion, So then it it makes a little bit more sense when linking it to digestion, this breaking down of um, our food. And so it's just a different way of of, um, expanding and practicing with this particular element is actually feeling that in the body. Uh, Again, this is more of a contemplation, but I think when we use our imagination, we can, in fact, have some sense of that happening within the body's system. And it's, again, we can see how this would be an important way of viewing the body, that this body is destined to go in one direction only. That it will age, that it breaks down, and then finally... It is deceased. This is just how it works. And so we can actually contemplate this and feel this as we are practicing with fire element. And so in the mind, thinking about uh, mental digestion. You know, have you ever gone through something and said, I just have to digest this (laughs) mentally. (laughs) Um, And so we can experience fire element I think, in this way. Another play on words is when we call someone hot-headed <laughs> um, or uh, cool and calm, calm and collected, cool and collected, right? So we can see the earth, uh, sorry, the fire element in the mind in this way, just how it is uh, fueling perhaps our moods. Are we hot-headed in this moment? Interestingly enough, I think when we are in that hot-headed mental state, we are physically hot. <laughs> Our temperature often is higher than if we are calm and cool, cool and collected. Um, our temperature may be more regulated. So just something to think about. And certainly oh, just another way to experience and be aware of our mental state through the fire element. And then lastly is the air element. Um, so this is motion. I think it's very um, easy to quickly uh, experience it through the breath, like I said, in the guided meditation. And so we can experience it as the actual air going inside our body. Uh, Really incredible when you think about that. That we are actually taking something into our body. It is, and it is something that we 
absolutely depend on for life. It is a sign of life to have breath. And yet it's, in a way, a foreign object coming into our body and then leaving our body in a different state chemically. Really amazing to think about what we do just to sustain life. And we can experience this life by feeling the breath moving in and out of our body. We can also experience it not just as the feeling of air, but all those micro-movements. Did anyone really get into that? The feeling of your body expanding and contracting? How many of you were able to really experience that during that particular part of the meditation? Yeah. It's, it can be really yummy, I find. this um, When we are, sometimes when we pay attention to the breath, I think it can get a little stale and maybe even a little boring because maybe we've been practicing with the breath for many, many, many years and it just seems like the same old breath after a while. We need (laughs) something to kind of aliven it. Um, When it's stale like that, it's hard to keep our attention to it. So using it as an element practice to to, uh, see just all the micro-movements and... Um, to think of it as this this life element coming into us, um, perhaps that will aliven your interest and increase your mindfulness and concentration. I find it really helpful when I'm finding practice to get a little boring and I'm working with the breath. So then we can also look at other movements, that our body, though we sit here and perhaps we're really trying to be still. I remember there's been periods of time early on in practice where my whole goal was not to move. (laughs) What was happening internally really didn't matter. (laughs) But I just felt like if I looked like I was doing it, (laughs) that was enough. And so I would spend a lot of time really trying not to move and seeing movement almost as... Um, uh, kind of the a way of gauging that I was not doing a really great job at meditation. And now, of course, as years have gone by and I have a different relationship with practice, I realize that um, there's a lot of suffering <laughs> in that whole idea, in that whole thought process. And that actually we are moving beings In fact, I think next week I'm going to give a whole talk on movement and practice. There's uh, uh, so much to pay attention to there. It's a rich place of practice to notice the subtle and not-so-subtle movements of the body. And so we can see this as air element. And then in the mind, um, what came to mind is when you... When you think, uh, notice that you're feeling a little airy, like you're just a little out there, or you're just a little um, all over the place, uh, a bit windy in the mind, if you will. Um, I'm sure we've all been there as well. And so we can notice the, the wind element. It's so not personal when we see it this way. A windy mind can be a very distracting, uh, frustrating mind. Um, but if we think of it as just wind element, present. (laughs) This is just wind element. It's not so frustrating anymore, or it doesn't have to be. It's just not personal. And that's part of what all of this does. It it depersonalizes uh, our experience. When our experience is depersonalized, we are in that moment actually letting go a little bit of this sense of me and mine. Think about it. When we have this idea of um, either our meditation practice or just our life experience is our own and that we are somehow different from everything else in the universe, and we get there, right? We have this kind of... um, tunnel vision idea of who we are among everybody else and that our experience is somehow unique, either unique in um, uh, a really wonderful way that we're really special or unique in um, 
a way that is um, just filled with dukkha, that like our dukkha is so much worse than everybody's dukkha. That must be true. And so when we depersonalize these experiences, that, that tightness around this idea of who we are in separation from everything else relaxes. It has to. So as we depersonalize, if you're noticing that, oh, it's just not so personal, know in that moment there's just a little bit less sense of selfing going on. So where this practice also comes up in the suttas is in a um, sutta where the Buddha is teaching his son, Rahula. And there's a number of teachings to his son, Rahula. Uh, Rahula, uh, after the Buddha became the Buddha, um, uh, Rahula actually came at a very young age to live with his father. And the Buddha became his prime, primary caregiver, actually. And through the course of his life, he was ordained and became one of the monks. Um, there are a number of really s- very sweet, but also um, very uh, wise, wisdom-filled teachings to Rahula. And one of them is in the instruction of using the element practice to um, have a better understanding of who, who we really are, or who Rahula really was. Um, but it really, of course, this is a teaching for us all, not just for Rahula. And in this teaching to Rahula, he's going through all four elements. And at the end of each description of the element, he tells Rahula to cultivate uh, this practice internally, meaning, uh, or personally, meaning to, to practice the elements inside the body, so allow it to be a personal body practice. And then he says to practice this externally, meaning to begin to see the world around you in these four elements. Uh, So this practice is meant to actually expand beyond the boundaries of our our body, to um, perhaps see the people we care about, for example, as these four elements. If we can depersonalize these experiences for ourselves, what would it be like to be in relationship with someone where we are seeing them in a slightly different light? We're seeing them as this amazing being that somehow is all these pieces stuck together creating this person that we really care about. And this person is experiencing... uh, earth element in the body in a particular way in that moment, water element, fire, air element, and that perhaps how it's being projected out to ourselves doesn't have to be so personal. We might also um, see them in a way that is a little more fresh, kind of like I was talking about the breath the breath becomes a bit stale and boring. (laughs) Well, maybe our relationship with a particular person has become a little stale. Um, Perhaps we just aren't seeing them with that freshness. Um, We can actually use the element practice to freshen our view of the people around us. So just something to try out and see what that might look like. When you encounter a particular person, maybe you have someone in mind already that you know this would this is probably a good idea. Maybe I could use this. <laughs> so next time you see them, as you look at them, think: this is earth element. This is water element, fire element, air element, and just see what that does to your um, uh, sense of that person to your relationship with that person. You don't have to tell them that you're doing it. <laughs> it might take a lot of explaining, actually. <laughs> but just have this be an internal experience and see how this informs you. See how it informs you.
Actually, there is a, another place where this comes up in the suttas, where uh, um, one of the, um, the Buddha's disciples uh, is teaching the group of monks using the four elements as an inspiration to not take things personal in relationship to other people. And um, as he's doing this and he's working through the four elements, what comes out of it is as we become, as we notice that things become less personal and our sense of self begins to loosen up a little bit, our protective layers begin to loosen up a little bit. Our heart becomes more open and available. And from that place, loving kindness, metta, becomes more available. Compassion becomes so much more available. Um, so it's, it, it actually, uh, we can see how something as simple as, seemingly simple as an element practice can actually open up to a beautiful relational practice that includes the Brahma-viharas, the heart practices. Um, so it doesn't just stop at this body. So then I'll go back to the Buddha and his teaching to Rahula as he's saying um, to, to experience this not just inwardly but outwardly. He's not just speaking about relational practice but also um, noticing the world around us as the elements. Perhaps our relationship with the earth would be a lot different if we um, started to relate ourselves as being part of the earth and not separate. I think often we view ourselves as living on the earth and not of the earth. There's a separation there. There's a difference. Do you see it? There's a real difference there. And we treat the earth often in that way as if we were just inhabiting it, that we were just on the earth, living on the earth instead of of it. But actually we are of it. And we see this um, in the earth element. We live and then we die. And when we die, what happens to this body? It decays. It becomes earth. It becomes soil. It becomes food. Nutrients for life to come forward again. The water element, like I said, we are 60% water. We are more than half liquid. On an earth that is 70% of the surface covered in water, we are so connected to that. Our very uh, ability to, our ability to live, to thrive, depends on this element. We're now really coming into contact with that truth as we're seeing climate change around the world and the water, fresh water for drinking, become less and less available. We've seen it just in our own state in this last couple of years in a, in a really big way. The fire element. Um, the fire element, just as I was saying earlier, in the process of, of uh, decay and aging and uh, digestion, that we are all of these... Um, uh, chemical reactions happening constantly and no different. I love that you brought in the periodic table. <laughs> and because, yes, we are that. We are not separate from that. That every part of ourselves we can find in nature. There's not a human element on that table. <laughs> we are made up of all these different elements and we can find every single one of them in nature. We're not separate. And then the air element, uh, the fact that we are breathing 
air that has passed through each other. I know this isn't maybe kind of unpleasant to think about, (laughs) especially if you're a little worried about germs, but we are breathing each other right now. (laughs) And as well as uh, the air that is moving through the trees, that is moving through uh, the streets right now. We're breathing the same air that our ancestors breathed. It's not like there's new air being created in that way. It's, this is the same air. Um, this air that we are breathing is in a way timeless and connects us to something uh, much bigger. But we don't think of it in that way. Um, we don't usually think of it at all because it's such an automatic response within the body. But it connects us directly to everything. So the Buddha is saying to Rahula, uh, notice internally these elements. Notice it them externally. And then he goes further to say that the internal elements and the external elements are no different. They are the same element. The internal element and the external element, no, there's no separation. There's no difference. And from that place of understanding it in that way, he says to regard it as, as this, that this is not mine, and that this I am not. That's how it's translated. This is not mine, and this I am not. So he's speaking to this, this sense of, of self that we have, which really is an illusion. He's not saying that we aren't here. There's still that earth element, remember? <laughs> we are here. You're feeling it. You're experiencing it. It's true. And... He kind of flips it over and says, at the same time as that being true, the idea that we are somehow different from, separate from, uh, is an illusion. It's a deluded illusion. This is craving. This is... um, really the construct of the mind trying to make sense of our world. It's just unfortunate. We've made our world very small. And so we are stuck. We are stuck in this web of illusion. So when we are no longer enchanted by this illusion using the elements, using other practices, we realize many things. One, that it's not personal, like we said. Uh, That we're not in control. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. That we are not in control, as we wish to be. That it's constantly changing. There's nothing permanent about any of it. All of these elements are constantly moving and in flux. All of them. This is more true to who we actually are. When we want to say self, that is what we're made up of. Not this kind of condensed, smaller, tight, protected, me, mine, I, myself idea. It's just an idea. It's a deluded illusion. So from there, I think we can easily jump to, when we see ourselves in that light, how we can then be in relationship with our earth, with each other, our environment, and with ourselves having a much healthier understanding of who we are and a much healthier relationship with ourself. A self that hatred doesn't exist, 
greed doesn't exist. Delusion doesn't exist. There's no foothold for either, for any of them. And that's what we're doing here. And that is what we're cultivating and hopefully putting out into our world. It's part of why when I came earlier and expressed how I was, my heart was just kind of flooding with sadness, compassion, gratitude for all that we're doing here. It's coming from that place. So, unfortunately, I've uh, run out of time because uh, we do want to dedicate the merit. And usually I like to open it up for questions, um, but we won't get to do that this evening. I'm, I am glad that you got to share, some of you got to share at the beginning of the talk. So, we'll just take time now to dedicate our time here together. And again, acknowledging that this isn't just for ourselves, but that this practice that we're cultivating is for all beings everywhere. That what we do here has a ripple effect. Not just what we do here, but what we're cultivating in our hearts and our minds has a ripple effect. And so with that in mind, I'll just read out some of the uh, dedication, the personal dedications. So the first one is um, that we dedicate this, our practice here tonight to all who died in Nice tonight uh, and to their families and to the truck driver. We dedicate tonight to Michelle and her children. Uh, We dedicate this to somebody's dog. Um, And I can't read the name. What's your dog's name? Are you still here? Girlfriend. Girlfriend. And that she may heal well. We dedicate this evening not only to those who we just named, but also to those who were unnamed, perhaps others in our hearts and minds. And then dedicating this evening to all beings everywhere. Wishing that all beings have happiness in their lives and contentment that all beings have safety from internal and external harm. All beings have health in their mind and in their body. All beings be free from this deluded illusion that prevents us from having all of these things, happiness, safety, well-being. Thank you for your attention.